0: Welcome to Work Beautifully, a podcast brought to you by Dialpad that discusses growth, learnings, and pitfalls to avoid in business.
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today um, on season two, episode two of the Work Beautifully podcast. This is a podcast brought to you by Dialpad, and we're covering growth, some of the learnings and pitfalls that you can avoid in business. Um, I'm going to be your host today. My name is DJ Gillett. I have a background in sales engineering and I currently run our T-Mobile partnership here at Dialpad. I'm really excited today uh, as part of our CIO series that we're doing in this season two. I'm really excited today uh, to be speaking with Elaine Montia. Uh Elaine, do you mind giving us just a little bit of your background and, and tell folks uh, what you do?
0: Yes, and and thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. So I quickly, just to give you a summary, born and raised in the Dominican Republic, moved to the U.S. at the age of 17. Did not speak English, but really love helping people. And so I got started in desktop support and worked my way up through being a CIO today at a university here in New York. And I am also the founder of 5x Minority. And 5x Minority is a company whose mission is to elevate the voices of women and underrepresented minorities in the tech field.
1: That's amazing. Thank you. All right. So let's, let's get right into it. I, I know that uh, we have a lot of listeners out there who um, are interested in, in kind of the role of a CIO. So tell me, what does an average week look like for you?
0: Mm, that's a great question, uh, because a lot of people may find this very boring, <laughs> A normal day for me or week is uh, a week that is filled with a lot of meetings. A lot of them are back-to-back meetings. A lot of them include planning sessions, uh, meetings about budget and requests that are coming up, and a lot of decision-making. And so I think that's where most of my time goes. It's just going from meeting to meeting to see who needs me where uh, and what kind of decisions I'm going to be making next.
1: Perfect. Now, would, just around that in general, would you say what skill set do you think um, helps you out in that role?
0: Mm, I would say definitely emotional intelligence, uh, being a good listener. I think uh, I've always mentioned that being PMP certified helps me a lot because knowing how to take a project from beginning to end, to me, is the same as dealing with people from beginning to end. Uh, and so I would say... Public speaking and emotional intelligence probably are the two most crucial ones.
1: Oh, that's that's super interesting that you said uh, public speaking. Is it because just being in meetings and, and having to kind of control the room? Or why do you think public speaking is so important in that role?
0: Well, you know, you want to make sure that people are paying attention to the things you're saying. And you want to make sure that you, for example, don't hesitate when you have an idea or something comes up. And I I learned that early on in my career that I needed to present information in a concise manner. And so public speaking really helped me come out of my shell and be able to stand up in the middle of the room or even if being asked last minute to present something, I was ready. I didn't have to worry about it because I knew, okay, I know the beginning. I'm going to share a general overview of the topic, and then I'm gonna have three or four bullets, and then I'm gonna close it and so I think that helped me a lot moving in my career and knowing that I would know what to do no matter what came my way okay
1: now did you did you work on the skill of public speaking or did that that come pretty easy to you?
0: Oh, that was tough d j <laughs> Let me tell you, when I got started in IT, I remember being asked to do a presentation and I could not eat the day before because I was so scared. Um, So for anyone out there, there is hope for you. (laughs) Um, I actually, I had to train a lot. I don't know if you are familiar with this group. They're called Toastmasters. And I think they're pretty much everywhere around the world. I joined a Toastmaster and I can tell you that they helped me be comfortable being uncomfortable, because I think public speaking is mostly being comfortable being uncomfortable uh, and knowing how to deal with your fears and knowing that fear is kind of like a messenger that's here to tell you something or, or to show you that something that you're about to do is really important. And so it took a lot of practice. Uh, one of my dreams was to do a TEDx talk. And so I knew that I had to work at it. And so they helped me make that dream a reality.
1: Well, that, that's amazing. And the reason why I brought that up is I do think there are a lot of folks out there who think, oh, I can't do that because public speaking is something that only, uh, you know, a select part of the population can do. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting that you did that. Um, and kind of exciting for folks who, who out there who know, if, hey, I work hard at this thing. I can definitely get where I want to be, even if I don't have the skills today.
0: Yeah, I can tell you that I was a really shy person. I would hide when people came to visit at home. And so I think that there is this notion of, oh, my God, if I don't do it today, I could never do it. Uh, that is not true. If you practice and you take your time, you will get to it.
1: Great. Okay. So, Looking at your career, you said you you went to Toastmasters to, mm-hmm. to learn this skill. Did you always want to be a CIO? Was that your aspiration, or did you find yourself in that role um, after going through different mm-hmm. jobs?
0: Yeah, that was never my dream. I I never woke up saying maybe in five years I'm going to be a CIO. I think that because I practice uh, mindfulness so much, I focus so much on what I'm doing now that that's, that's all I'm thinking about. And I can tell you that uh, I started as a desktop support technician. And so when you start in desktop support, you don't really think that that's where you're going to end up. I was curious about networking. I was curious about web design. And so I like practicing different things. And I think because of that, because I was able to look at different areas of IT, it was easier for me to be a CIO, but It just happened. I just, I kept getting promoted. I I think I was really good at what I was doing, uh, but it was never a dream of mine.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, it is interesting. I think there um, are some folks, including myself in Mm -hmm. in younger days who thought, um, you know, how, how do you get to that position? Like, why is that something you aspire to? But you, you mentioned something really important, which is you kind of started at the bottom in desktop support um, and ultimately worked your way up into that. Do you think that starting in desktop support gave you a better understanding of or or gave you some knowledge that you needed in your current role?
0: I really think so. I think that customer service is a skill that as a CIO, you need to have and you practice every day. And something else I want to mention, DJ, another reason why I didn't see myself as a CIO is because I never thought that that was possible for someone that looks and sounds like me. And so working here in New York, being part of a minority group and, and having a strong accent, which I did early on in my career, I really never thought that that could happen. I didn't think that that was possible. And that's another reason why it never, it, it never came across my mind.
1: Oh, okay. That, that is really interesting. And I know we'll actually get to that subject here in just a little bit. So we'll put a pin in that. Let me ask you, though, do you have one, um, and, and feel free to add many if you choose, but is there one um, event or one thing that happened um, in your career that you feel like got you to the position you are today? Is there one place you can look back and say, this really helped me move forward in my career, especially to the career path you have today?
0: Hmm. It's hard for me to say one thing only. I can tell you that if I can give you two, I would say that focusing on my education was the first one because I wanted to make sure that... When people looked at my resume, they couldn't look away from my resume. So I wanted to make sure that I had all the skills I needed so that there was no excuse for someone not to interview me, Um, especially after they read my name, which we'll talk about later. Uh, But besides that and working really hard, I think having a mentor and sponsor really helped me move faster, I, I would say, at a faster rate, because I had someone who believed in me and pushed me to be better. I think that was the second item that I think helped a lot.
1: Perfect. So specifically on on the mentor that you mentioned, would you say that that mentor, was it it more about mentoring for like job, like skills specific to your job or was it more around um, helping you see different situations or helping you see yourself in a different light? Where do you think that they helped you as a mentor?
0: I would say all of the above. He really helped me with all of that. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes because especially women, we deal a lot with imposter syndrome. So it was really refreshing for someone like me to have someone believe in me and show me that I'm capable of doing more than what I thought I was capable of doing.
1: Okay. Yeah. So if you had one, um, for, for those out there who are aspiring, um, to get to a position like yours one day. If you had one piece of advice that you wanted to give them, what would it be?
0: Hmm, That's a very good question. (laughs) Let me think about it. You know, I think for me, again, giving just one thing is so hard because there are so many things that help contribute, uh, you know, to my growth and my career. I think that initially I did not believe in myself as much as I needed to. Um, I don't know if it's part of my culture or part of me moving to a new country, but I realized that if I had believed in myself more, I probably would have done more earlier. I I don't know if it's part of my upbringing where women are usually told, you know, be quiet and sit down and cross your legs and don't, don't call too much attention on yourself. I think that was part of that. And so I think I had to go through a process of unlearning a lot of the things that I was told growing up. Uh, so it is part of my culture. Uh, but I think once I got past that, then I was able to open up a little more and be more daring and, and, and bring my confidence uh, to a level where it was needed for me to keep moving and growing in IT.
1: Okay, so it, w- what I heard you say is that um, part of it was confidence, but it was ultimately that if it's something that you want to do, believe that you can make that happen, um, that, that you have the skill set, that you have the talent, the knowledge inside of you to make that happen. Is that sorry?
0: Yeah, that is correct. And that is really difficult because every day we are bombarded with messages on social media and television that tell you otherwise, right? And so I think we have to be conscious about knowing how we see ourselves. How do we want other people to see us Uh, And to believe that we could do anything we want to do, regardless of what we see in the media, especially for someone like me, who's a member of the LGBTQ community. The messages that I receive are very different from what I know I'm capable of doing. But it took me a while to understand that.
1: Okay, that's that's awesome. Thank you for that advice. Um, Now, let's change the topic just a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we would love to hear. What do you think, um, what, what are some of the prevalent challenges that you see um, either as a CIO, uh, and you could be as general or specific as you want, but what are some prevalent challenges you see in the industry that you're in, the role that you're in, or even your company?
0: Mm. Yeah, I, there are a few of them. So I'll mention maybe one or two. I think for me, the number one, and I was talking about this earlier today, is, is hiring and retaining employees. Uh, The demand for IT workers has increased so much that it is hard to keep employees, even if they're happy, uh, where they are with you because of the amount of money that they're getting, especially when you go outside of education. Um, And and so I think that's one of the biggest issues we have right now. And the second one is mental health. I think that as a CIO, uh, many years ago, people probably thought that there were conversations that we couldn't have. Uh, Because that's your life. That's your personal stuff. I don't think we can do that anymore. I think that when something happens outside of work that affects your staff, you have to be vulnerable enough to open up and talk about it. I had a conversation with a management team earlier about the attacks on the Asian community in New York City. And I can tell you that if you're not able to have those conversations and create psychological safety for people to be themselves, you're missing out on so many things because employees give you so much more when they feel that they could be themselves in front of you. And so I try to do that as much as I can, but mental health for sure. I feel that as a CIO, I'm not trained to be able to fix all the issues that I see my staff is having, but I try my best to be human and to see them as humans and be compassionate and, and, and listen and listen and let them know that, that I see them and, and that I understand where they're coming from.
1: OK, so you touched on a topic I know um, that, that is important to you there and, and talking about putting your employees first and, and especially their mental health. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you've seen the role um, just as CIOs in general. I know that, that folks talk to each other and, and get ideas from one another. But how have you seen the CIO, CIO role change, especially in terms of, of mental health, putting employees first? How have you seen that role change?
0: Mm hmm. Um, So so there are two ways. So first, I could tell you that maybe a few years ago before the pandemic, the CIO was not always a member of the senior team. that, That person was not always at the table. Since the pandemic, we're needed. We're needed. And we are part of every senior team conversation because they need us for everything that's happening moving forward. Internally with my teams, you know, I mentioned this earlier. I feel that Our roles have changed because technology is a priority, but humans are a bigger priority to me than the technology that they manage, right? And so if I have an employee who is not happy, who is struggling with their personal life, I know that I will not get what I could get from them in the workplace. And so knowing how we both benefit from it, I would want to make sure that I am there for them to listen and to ask questions and to see what else can I do. Uh, You know, I created a Microsoft Teams channel so that we can have conversations outside of work because I knew that we needed a place for that. And so I started to see more pictures of babies and pets. And so I feel that the balance is needed. Uh, This old mentality of this is just work and this is all you came here to do. I don't think that works anymore. I think people want to be themselves 100%. And if I go through those doors, even if it's virtual doors, and I have to become another person, then I'm not giving the best of myself. Creativity is not there, right? You're not able to collaborate with others. So I think if a leader doesn't keep that in mind, it's going to be hard for them to retain employees because that's what they want.
1: You actually went uh, where I was going to go with my next question and say, have you seen Or do you think that um, doing those kinds of things, especially in this market where um, as as an employee, I can go anywhere, um, do you think that those kinds of things help with that retention conversation and help folks really be happy in the jobs that they're in?
0: I think so. And I think I'm one example of them. (laughs) I could be working anywhere right now, but I am at the Graduate Center because I feel seen, I feel respected, Uh, they listen to me. And I want my employees to feel the same way that I feel. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people that are leaving their managers. They're not leaving the institution. They're not leaving the company. They're leaving their managers because they don't feel respected and they don't feel like they could be themselves. And so I think that's just going to continue. I think it's just the beginning. Uh, I see that being more broad. And I know a lot of people like to say that this new generation, you know, they want everything their way. But I don't agree with that. I think they want to be themselves. They don't want to have another persona when they enter the workplace. And so I applaud them for doing that. I think we should listen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So around that topic, we're getting we're getting into some waters where I asked us to put a pin in it. Mm-hmm. Now, specifically around, I know that you have a lot of passion around diversity and inclusion in tech, or maybe the lack thereof that we're seeing. So, mm-hmm. as a CIO, how how do you deal with fighting for more diversity inclusion, especially in the tech space?
0: It's hard, <laughs> uh, and, and like you said, that's one of the reasons I found the Five X Minority because I knew that what I could do in the in my own workplace is probably limited. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's a huge institution. I cannot come in and pretend that I can make changes overnight. Uh, and there are many issues affecting, especially women and minorities in tech. I don't know if you want me to go into detail about some of them, but from what I've seen, the there is a huge problem with unconscious bias that is affecting even the people that we hire today. There is an issue with outdated hiring practices that is not allowing, especially women, to get into positions. And so if we can look at it in a different way and try to make change such as, something as simple as removing the names from the resumes when you're going through them. Because I know that there is bias in reading Elaine Montilla and someone saying, well, maybe she's not as smart as I thought she was, but if I see John Smith, my brain will tell me that that's the person that I want. And so I I do my work outside of, (laughs) of the university, trying to help women and trying to help companies uh, understand the value of having diversity, the value of having people who speak more than one language, the value of having people who can see life from different perspectives uh, and and come from different backgrounds and different cultures. There is so much richness there, especially if you're in in product management. Um, There is also a lack of mentorship and sponsorship, especially for women, And so there's a lot of research that shows that women leave tech. Um, I think 40% of them leave tech right after 10 years. And the reason they leave tech is because of the lack of support and mentorship. And what I see now is a lot of companies are doing a lot of PR. There's a lot of promotion and a lot of nice words on the website about diversity and inclusion. But when you look at the numbers and you look at what's really happening, the reality is a little different I think sometimes we now want to have like a check mark, okay? You know, I have a person of color, so I'm good to go. But the work really starts after the person is hired, you know? How do we support them after they came in so that they feel included? And I think we need to do more of that. We've we've done better, but I think uh, we have a long way to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you're you're right. I think in a lot of cases um when you start talking about unconscious bias or the, the the things that we see there, and especially I'm glad that you brought up uh, that there seem to be a lot of companies out there who um, who, who play act, if you will. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of, they do put the nice words on the page. They do change their logo once a year. They do those kinds of things, but what are they actually doing behind the scenes uh, to make life better just for people in general, not just, um, yeah, but what are they doing for that? So I'd ask you, I know there's probably not one thing that you could pinpoint, but for folks out there who are saying, what is one thing that I could tangibly do to help out with this? What would you say is that one thing that could get them started?
0: You know, I think one item that I would recommend is is blind auditions for sure. Remove the names from the resumes. Um, look at the job descriptions and make sure that it's not a wish list. I think we have a wish list now when it comes to resumes. They're two, three pages long. I read them myself and I'm like, well, I don't have all, all of the requirements they're looking for. Um, and, and the third one would probably be unconscious bias training that is mandatory once a year. Because a lot of companies would do it once and then that's it. And let me tell you, it's, it's easy to forget about it. You know, I have unconscious bias myself. We all do. And so reinforcement is needed so that you can remember, oh, when I make these comments, that is not okay because this population feels this way. Uh, Microaggression so that people understand, yes, I'm speaking about your hair, but in your culture, that is something that is not acceptable. I feel like we need to educate, especially managers, Uh, because sometimes they don't know what they don't know.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. I actually, if you don't mind, I want to swing back to the the second point you brought up, because Mm -hmm. I never really thought about this. You were saying that um, resumes or even job descriptions are wish lists. Is is your thought that or, or is what you're saying that you think that job descriptions get put out in a way that um, kind of scares people off who maybe aren't aren't super confident in themselves? Is that, what, is that where you were going with that or did I miss it?
0: 100%. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you that uh, there is a lot of research that shows that when a woman looks at a job description, the, women want to make sure that they have at least 95% of the qualifications, if not 100. We read a job description and we're like, oh my God, I don't have this and I don't have this. I'm not going to apply. Men, 60%. So we are keeping women out because they will not even dare to apply for the job because of all the things. And let me tell you one more thing, the words that we put in the job description, sometimes we use very male-centric words, dominant, and women, we don't like that, right? We try to shy away from that. And there is a lot of AI technology that can look at a resume and tell you exactly the words that you should remove. And I'm happy to see that. But we need to pay more attention to the hiring practices that we have today.
1: Okay. Yeah, that is very interesting. I can, I can, from personal experience, I can remember a, a time where my wife was applying for a job. And I remember her saying, I don't think I'm qualified. And then as I <laughs> read through the job description, I'm like, you do all of these things. What do you mean? So that is a, that is a very relevant. Um, I, I had never really thought about that. I that goes back to your point about being really confident about the, um, about the way that you approach uh, mm-hmm. jobs and what you're doing. But at the same time, I could understand how um, if some folks don't understand that, um, just changing the job description a little bit. Um, could help them get more diverse candidates.
0: Yeah, but not and not only that. I mean, do you really need someone that knows all of that? It's it's impossible sometimes. And so I think we need to give people a chance to come in, learn about the culture, and also grow. Right? There are some things that I don't know. I will learn them along the way. Uh, I think we want superhumans now to come into the workplace, and that is that is it's just not real.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Elaine, thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any last comments that you'd um, like to add before we sign off?
0: If I can share one more thing, I want to share my favorite quote. Uh, It's from Dr. Wayne Dyer. And it says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And anyone out there who wants to be a CIO one day, I want you to change the way you see yourself and you will get there. Thank you for having me, DJ. This was a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely, Elaine. Thank you so much for sharing your your experience with us and and just thank you for overall in general spending this time with me. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. For those of you out there listening, thank you again for listening to episode two of the Work Beautifully podcast.